behind the Herald headlines with Darren Mann. Lead story in the Herald for today, Wednesday the 10th of November. It's too late for sorry. Family of Jade Paniyatu say they will never forgive husband Christopher for his murderous deed. Also on the front page of today's Herald, smaller parties push for kingmaker status. Several smaller parties in Nelson Mandela Bay are hoping to form a bloc to strengthen their kingmaker status. Not everyone is on board, however, as some parties continue to demand the mayor's chair. Those are your lead stories in today's Herald. For more information, go to heraldlive.co.za. Each one of us has a story to tell and a story to share. A story that deserves to be heard. A story that inspires, motivates and gives people a reason to keep going. A story about our triumphs as individuals and as a team. A story about our humble beginnings and what the future holds for us. A story about our heritage and that which brings us together. It is these stories that connect us. The Herald. Whatever you live for, we live to tell that story for you. This morning we catch up with Professor Jonathan Janssen. He's an internationally renowned expert in education. In 2009, he became the first black rector and vice-chancellor of the University of the Free State. He is a regular newspaper contributor known for his views on transformation, peaceful reconciliation and unity. Jonathan Janssen is also a professor of education at the University of Stellenbosch. He is also president of the South African Academy of Science and president of the South African Institute of Race Relations. And amongst many honors he's obtained is an MS degree from Cornell University and a PhD from Stanford. He holds honorary degrees from the University of Edinburgh, University of Vermont and Cleveland State University. His latest books include Inequality in South African Schools and Making Love in a War Zone, which concerns interracial intimacies among university students. I must also add, he is a stubborn supporter of the Blue Bulls and the Orlando Pirates football team. Well qualified to comment on most matters, South African. Professor, Doc, I'm never quite sure what to call you. It's an absolute pleasure having you join us this morning. How are you? Thank you very much. No, wonderful to be with you and thank you for the platform. Doctor, first question I must ask. We've just completed our local government elections on the 1st of November. Coalitions appear to feature very strongly in our future. What are your thoughts generally on the election results? Uh, two things. One, <clears throat> very clear to me that uh, there is a disinterest in, in, in politics uh, on the part of the majority of South Africans that such so much so that even reg among registered voters, as you know, only a small uh, percentage showed up to vote. So I think people are disaffected by politics because, especially in local government uh, matters, they don't see a connection between you know uh, uh, politics at the local level and the quality of their lives in the everyday. So huge disaffection, and this has this has implications, serious implications for for the future. But secondly, that we are undecided on 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 whom to 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 vote for, and and that is why you find us being forced early on in our history into 
a, a fairly widespread coalition politics, you know, across uh, across the board. So there are two messages there that I hope will be taken up, not just by by you know people in politics, but by ordinary South Africans to sort of say, how do we want to move forward? You know, given as I said, the disaffection on the one hand, and then the um, uh, the lack of choice on the other. Many analysts have predicted that given enough time, and I'm not sure how much or how long enough time is, the traditional parties are going to suffer at the hands of these smaller and newer parties as matters like service delivery and security come more into focus. I think that's right. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, if you look at some of these smaller parties like Action South Africa, you know, the... Uh, Cape Colored Congress, which, uh, which quite frankly scares the hell out of me. You know, they 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 have purchasing power uh, at the local level. They appeal to a particular kind of person for whom, you know, making, as in the case of Action SA, openly xenophobic comments against, you know, foreign nationals from mm. other African countries. Okay, it's acceptable. And in which people can you know, trade on an apartheid identity like, uh, you know, coloredness and, and, and win attention. And that is why I said in one of my Times columns, we, we certainly are right for a Trump-like figure in South Africa, a populist, you know, with ethno-national sentiments, who comes along and mobilizes people behind two messages. One is that you in deep trouble. <laughs> and secondly, I alone can save you. So, 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 I'm less concerned about these smaller parties, to be frank, than I am about a larger movement, you know, uh, uh, developing that uh, 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 trades off people's sense of, of being of being cut for. Prof, do you believe that the um, voting trends, which have been exhibited in the local government elections, will extend to national and provincial elections when those roll around? I think so, uh, but but not completely. Let me, let me tell you why I think there'll be some of that. One is the disaffection with politics is going to also express itself the national level. But the problem with the national level is people are not voting for their garbage to be taken out every Thursday at 10 a.m. You know, people are voting more often on sentiment, more often on history, more often on you know loyalties and stuff like that. So so I don't think there's a perfect uh, imaging that that you would see uh, reproduced from local to national. That said, um, I, I do think that once again, the, the ruling party will struggle to get over 50% of the vote. People are just not, you know, I mean, just imagine those long winding lines of voters in 1994. Sure, sure. We all really believed, myself included, that this is major change. And of course, it was also... The, the absolute, you know, uh, um, admiration we had for the first president, for Nelson Mandela. But all of those kinds of emotions have largely dissipated for people as they saw and lived through state capture, as they lived through today, through um, load shedding, as they lived through this rampant corruption. And, and that, I think, will definitely reflect I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I believe in the power uh, of, of voting. I, I'm a constitutionalist. But I honestly have to struggle to get out of bed, you know, and have somebody mess with my finger, you know, uh, at the 
polling station, I, I, I'm, not, I'm looking for a different kind of politics than simply plugging into the uh, to politics as usual. Prof, political flashpoints arise in South Africa in all sorts of areas. Recently, we had the situation of uh, Quinton de Kock refusing to take the knee at the T20 Cricket World Cup. It became, as many issues do in this country, divided along racial lines. You took a rather interesting stance on this particular matter. Would you care to share? Yeah, you know, um, what we don't have in South Africa is a democratic tradition. In other words, uh, we have democratic sort of processes. You know, we, we vote, we abstain from voting, we shout and we scream, and we participate in the public sphere and do what social scientists call performative politics. We burn tires, you know, we insult people, you know, we box in parliament, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. But but fundamentally, we don't have a, demo, uh, a, a democratic culture. In other words, despite the fact that we have a progressive constitution by all counts, if you ask South Africans to vote on the death penalty, I guarantee you a, a, a sizable majority would say, hang the buggers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or something like that. So, so you know, we cancel people left, right, and center. You know, we invite people to speak at universities as a PCT, and then we disinvite them. We don't have a democratic culture. We shout down people whom we don't believe have the right to speak, as UCT, black students UCT often do with white, um, you know, students and faculty. I mean, that scares me, you know. And so for me, whether or not Quinton took the knee is less important, not less important, and it's obviously important to take a stance against racism, but it, it's in the bigger scheme of things, it's less important to me because of what we're asking him to do. We're asking him to go against his own conscience, whatever that conscience might be. We're asking him simply because he's one of 11 men in a, in a bloody cricket team, that all of you will go down on your knees or you know, there will be consequences. That scares me, okay? I, I would take the knee in my sleep, I can assure you. I I would I would have told him as a young man, I said, Quentin, don't be an idiot, you know? Uh, take the knee, it's good for you, it's good for the country. But there are bigger questions at stake here, and that is whether an authority, whether it is Cricket South Africa or the national government, can tell you how to behave in public. That goes against every democratic sinew in my in my body. And that's what I'm scared about. I'm scared about what else it says, you know, um, uh, that that pushes us as South Africans towards a point <clears throat> in which we allow others to tell us how to behave in the public sphere. That's the beginning. Now, regardless of the issue at play, I am reminded that in our constitution, we are guaranteed the right to freedom of conscience, religion, thought, belief, and opinion. And I think that ties very much in with what you're saying. Yeah, there's actually a conscience clause, as you say, you know, in the constitution. Now, that doesn't mean I can't critique you. That doesn't mean I can't protest against what you do. That doesn't mean I can't engage you robustly on your whatever, you know, decision you make. That's also part of a democracy, you know, Mm. but that you have the right to, you know, show a finger at the presidential, you know, you know, car, a motorcade is, is also a right that you can dissent, you know. In, you know, there's an interesting case 
that 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 came to mind with the Quinton thing, and that was 1968 in in the Olympics. You know, there were two uh, African, well, they were then called Black American men, who had uh, won, I think, first and second or first and third place in the 400 meters final. Yeah, and they made the Black Power salute. Who were they representing? They were certainly not representing their country in doing that because their country roasted them, you know, because white America roasted them, you know, for, for not being respectful, not being... And that's the point, you know, whether it is for a good cause, in my estimation, that is the Black Power Smith at the time, or for a cause I disagree with, you know, without Quentin not taking the knee. The fact that you have the right to do it. So this silly argument that but you're representing your country is nonsense. You know, you're also representing yourself. You don't lose your sense of, of person, your sense of individuality, uh, et cetera, et cetera, when you uh, make a, a public statement one way or the other. And that, for me, is the issue. It also seems to be universal that Cricket South Africa were not very good in their timing in announcing this directive. Yeah, Cricket South Africa is like Western Province Rugby Association, like all of these big sporting affiliates. You have people there who are serially immature in their politics, in their, you know, they, they lack wisdom. Now, <clears throat> if I was in Cricket South Africa, I'd say, listen, the last thing you want to do is to go to a Cricket World Cup, which we have never won, by the way, you know, and put these young men under enormous pressure with uh, a set of actions that, that, that will be controversial, okay? So what does this, uh, uh, I forget the name, Lawson, I do, or somebody do, is... <laughs> In the middle of this bloody, yeah, having just lost to Australia, you know, which meant that it was going to be uphill from the on, uh, you know, mm. makes the decision, <clears throat> having returned from Dubai, that, you know, everybody will take the knee. And Quentin, as we now know, said, but I don't like people to tell me, and I don't like you to tell me at the last minute that I don't, <laughs> you know, the captain finds out in the locker room that he's without his opening batsman. I mean, this is grade five immaturity, you know, sit down with this place, tell them what's going to happen. Say if you don't want to go, you know, behind closed doors and 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 so on. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we would encourage all of you to, to, to go down your knees because we would look like idiots because every other country, you know, with all white players, by the way, will do this anyway. Sort out the mess before you go. No, we wait for the players to get there. We wait for them to lose. We then on the impulse of the moment, this is impulsive behavior, then, uh, you know, send the message through that this is supposed to happen. Quentin said, and I'm sure there were others. Now, do you want somebody to take the knee who in his heart and mind doesn't believe or believes differently, you know, uh, just for the sake of uniformity? Listen, we come out of a history of doing that, of forcing people, compelling people to behave, you know, in line with, the, in that case, the yeah. project authorities. We should not do that again. Final question for you, Professor Janssen. If you were to speak directly to Lawson Naidu, what words would you share with him on this issue? Well, as you know, the horse is bolted. Um, so I, but, you know, I would sit down with him and sort of say, listen, are you prepared to listen to your critics? I want, like most all South Africans, we want our national teams to do well. Are you prepared to sort of at least acknowledge that the way you did this, the goal is is something we can agree on, right? That the way in which you did this, you did huge damage to, you know, to, to the image of South Africa, let alone to the uh, um, 
to the cricketing team's performance, et cetera, et cetera. If he says, let's talk, then I think we can have a really productive discussion about how to manage, you know, uh, the national, these national assets and so on and so forth. If, um, if on the other hand, you know, he, he turns arrogant and says, you know, I did what I did. And, because remember, there are people who support it. There's huge numbers of South Africans who'd like to, you know, stick it to the other side. Yes. You know? And and if that is his attitude, then I then I have nothing to say to him. And I would I would then conclude and say to him, you know, I don't think you have the maturity, the wisdom, the insight to be able to lead us in something of such great importance, and that is our national sporting teams. Thank you, Dr. Jonathan Janssen. We very much appreciate you sharing your thoughts on the local government elections and also on the Quinton de Kock taking the knee issue. Have a good day, sir. Joining us now on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann is the current chairperson of Cricket South Africa, Mr. Lawson Naidu. Mr. Naidu, so near, yet so far, for South Africa at a Cricket World Cup tournament again. Are we cursed? No, I don't think we're cursed, Darren. I think, it, you know, the team put in an incredibly good performance in a very, very tough group in a highly competitive tournament. And, uh, you know, I think the, the boys can hold their heads up high. Uh, the country can be proud of their efforts. It's unfortunate that we uh, exited the tournament uh, on net run rate, having won four of our five games. But, uh, you know, th- that's the way uh, it turned out to be. But, uh, you know, I think it's... Uh, it, it, it shows the, the the talent, the strength, and determination of this uh, of this you know relatively new team. I won't say young, uh, but a relatively new T uh, Twenty squad. Reading between the lines, your general thoughts then, as far as the playing side of things go, you were satisfied. Yeah, look, I mean, I think you know, uh, ideally, we would have liked to have uh, squeezed through and had a better uh, net run rate, uh, but you know, it wasn't to be. But I think. Uh, if we look back overall on the tournament, I think the, you know the, the, they did extremely well. There were some tough games, uh, and I think we we you know we've certainly seen progress uh, in in the T20 side over the last year or so, and I think that both bodes well for the upcoming tours against um, the Netherlands, India, uh, and Bangladesh, and then there's uh, another T20 World Cup next year. So uh, you know it's uh, it's building for the future. Mr. Naidu, Cricket South Africa, let's be fair, has been a body mired in controversy, racial allegations, um, allegations of corruption for a long time now. Can you give us concrete steps on how you and your new administration are going to turn this around? Well, I think there are a number of things that have happened already. Uh, I think the very uh, fact that there is a new board in place, which has a majority of independent directors for the very first time, uh, in in uh, uh, cricket history in South Africa, uh, that that is a fundamental shift to providing a more professional and uh, 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 stronger board uh, that will take its fiduciary duties uh, seriously. Uh, and I think that you know that sets us on on a very good path of of uh, making sure that the errors of the past don't uh, don't inflict the game in the future. Um, in that regard, with regards to the issues around uh, racism and discrimination in the sport, we have instituted the uh, social justice and nation-building uh, hearings, which have uh, recently concluded uh, under the auspices of Advocate Dumisa and Zabeza. Uh, we will be receiving his report at the end of this month. 
together with its recommendations and the board will then apply its mind to those recommendations and the findings of that uh, process uh, and chart the way forward. But we've not been sitting still. We have been engaged in developing a five-year st uh, strategy for Cricket South Africa and all of its stakeholders. Um, and that strategy is, is premised on three pillars of access, inclusivity, and excellence. And we believe that what will come out of the SJN uh, report will fit into that uh, five-year strategy and enable us to tackle the legacies of, of uh, race, race and gender discrimination in cricket uh, and build a future based uh, on inclusivity and promoting excellence. So there's a, there's a lot that has been happening. Uh, the issues of corruption that uh, afflicted CSA a few years ago have been dealt with in terms of the forensic report that was, uh, that was done last year. And uh, action has been taken in, in uh, respect of that report. A number of senior officials were initially suspended and then went through disciplinary processes. Uh, some have been dismissed. Other, there are others that are still being finalized. So I think the issue of, of uh, cleaning house, as it were, is well underway. And one of the priorities for this new board has been to, uh, to recruit a permanent uh, chief executive officer for Cricket South Africa. We've uh, quite, uh, quite a way down the line in that process. And we hope to be able to make an announcement in the next few weeks. Mr. Naidu, we can't talk T20 Cricket World Cup without talking Quinton de Kock. Mistakes were made, many by Cricket South Africa. Do you acknowledge those? I'm thinking of not arranging a meeting with the team beforehand, not discussing with the team beforehand, for example. Well, look, I mean, I think the issue that the board took was a, was a principled one, is that as, uh, as South Africans, we uh, should be leading the fight against racism globally, uh, just as we fought against apartheid in South Africa. Uh, we have a, um, a moral and ethical duty to, uh, to lead that fight against racism. And uh, a, a, the South African T20 cricket team is a national team. It represents all of the people of South Africa. And there are not 11 individual cricketers that are out there on the field of play. The team has a responsibility uh, to reflect the dreams, hopes and aspirations of 60 million South Africans. They are not 11 cricketers on the uh, individuals on the cricket field. They represent uh, South Africa. And they need to, do, to do, do that as ambassadors for the game and for the people of South Africa. So this is a key issue of principle about uh, contributing to the global fight against racism, uh, which has been uh, uh, um, adopted by sports people across sporting codes across the globe. Uh, and that's really uh, what we want South African cricketers to do. Uh, the board took the decision it did and issued the directive that it did because of the, you know, the, uh, the perceptions that were created around the visual images of, the, of players doing, uh, adopting different uh, gestures some taking the knee, others standing and raising a fist, and others merely standing, some with their hands behind their back. That sent uh, out a message of a team that is uh, not in harmony, that is not united, and we felt that it is, it is not the way that we want South African cricket to be represented on the international stage. We have acknowledged that the timing of the directive um, did place uh, pressure on the team, coming as it did, on, uh, just a few hours before a key game against the West Indies. But the board was left with no, no uh, uh, alternative but to issue that directive. 
the players themselves have been discussing this matter for well over a year now. And it was hoped that they would themselves come to a decision on, on taking a uniform gesture um, uh, towards expressing um, opposition to racism. The fact that they failed to do so meant that the board had to step in. Uh, we, we did so. We then had a meeting and discussed it with the players. And those engagements will continue. Now that the team are back, we will be seeking to engage with the team before the, uh, the tours this summer kick off so that we can all uh, be on the same page and adopt a unified and a strong stance against racism. That is something for which we will not apologise. I did notice that the first statement put out by Cricket South Africa regarding Quinton de Kock spelt his name wrong. I'm not aware of that, but uh, it may well have happened. These, things, these statements were put out uh, very quickly. We spoke earlier today with Dr. Jonathan Janssen, Mr. Naidu, on, amongst other things, the taking of the knee issue. I asked him what he would say to you if the two of you were to meet across a table. I think uh, taking a strong stance against racism is something that most people would support and applaud. Uh, and therefore, I find it difficult to understand Professor Janssen's um, comments in that regard. Uh, the fact that things could have been done differently, I absolutely agree. And uh, uh, with regards to the need for continuous uh, discussion uh, of this matter, that is something that the board has already committed to. Uh, but I think the, the issue is that as South Africans, we want our sports teams to, to reflect our opposition to racism, particularly given uh, the struggles against institutionalized racism that we've had to overcome in this country, and that we have a, a duty to, to lead the world in this regard. And I think that the decision that the board took uh, was the correct one. Uh, but we will, of course, engage with uh, all of our stakeholders in this regard. And, uh, you know, we've, we've not had any... Um, any um, reason to, to doubt the decision that we've taken. The voice of the current chairman of Cricket South Africa, Lawson Naidu, speaking to us on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.